Welcome to the Moving Up Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Wilson, CEO of the Wilson Group Real Estate Services, and my passion is creating success in people by sharing my experiences in real estate, entrepreneurship, and community involvement. My partner, Heather Wombrode, and I will be hearing from expert leaders in these spaces and giving you practical advice to help you accelerate your business. So pull up a seat because we are about to have a lot of fun. It's time for you to move up. Welcome, everybody. So glad that you're joining us today at the Moving Up Podcast. Heather and I are super excited about this show because not only do we have a friend with us on the show, as most of our guests are, but in our minds, he's sort of a superstar in the real estate world as well. We have with us today Steve Jolly. Steve is the immediate past president of the Greater Nashville Realtors. He is an extraordinary agent and broker I believe too. And Steve, I'm just going to let you tell a little bit about yourself, but I'll cue it up to let our audience know that today we are talking about professional negotiating. And Steve is a master at it, and we can't wait to share his information with all y'all out there today. Uh, yeah, so I am a realtor by accident, ah. but I enjoy what I do, and I've been in the business since 2005. And I started on the REO side. That's right. Oh my gosh. And I did that pretty much full time until 2015. And then the market here in Nashville changed. Uh And so at that point, I started uh, generating more traditional real estate leads and uh, then slowly became a traditional real estate agent. And I've been doing that uh, pretty much full time for the last three years. And so I, you know, I really enjoy helping people. That's the satisfaction I get out of it. And that's why I love real estate. So I forgot all about you being in the REO side. Mm -hmm. And for those of y'all who don't know, because we don't hear about it as much as we used to back in the recession days, REO is real estate owned. And basically that's a foreclosure when the bank takes back a property when the bank has to buy it at the courthouse steps. That's correct. Mm -hmm. And um, so 2000 and seven, eight, nine, ten, a lot of people, that's what they did. And they worked with the banks and Mm -hmm. mortgage companies and selling those foreclosures. Yeah. I started that in 2005. So it was the perfect time to start. Yeah. So that explains too, why you are such a strong professional negotiator because you were negotiating with the banks correct? a lot. So that's a different level. There's zero emotion. And that's why I liked it so much. Yeah, it was I'm all sure. business. I am sure. Did you call on the banks to try to get their business? Or? I did. Okay. And what did that look like? Um, it looked just like you know any type of prospecting that you normally have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just reaching out. One of the one of the ways I got my foot in the door is I had contracting experience. Mm-hmm. And my first big client was uh, Wachovia, who eventually became part of Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And they were they were into renovating all of their properties. All so their they, foreclosure mm-hmm. properties. So they were looking for someone that could step in and help them do that. And not personally, but just to kind of supervise that process. And so that's what I did. And then when somewhere around 2009, uh, Wells Fargo bought Wachovia. And so I became their preferred agent here in Nashville. I assume I still am today, but they very have very few uh, bank-owned properties right. right now in Nashville, or even across. I looked the other day; I think they had five properties across the United States that were bank-owned. Yeah. You know, it's funny. A year and a half ago, when interest rates started going up, and people are like, "Oh, the foreclosures are going to come back." All of us in the know are going, 
no, there's too much equity and there's still enough buyer demand out there. It's just a whole different time. It sure is. Today, we were not queued up for any type of bank failures or massive foreclosure situation. No one was behind on their mortgages, you know. And that's a good thing. Oh my God, don't get me wrong. It's an (laughs) awesome thing. But it was funny, you know, when you would educate the general consumer out there who are expecting a crash in this market when things shifted again. It's like, y'all, they're... There's nothing in the in the cards that has us set up to crash. Everything's going to – it's just – we're just stable. We're just going to keep on being stable for a minute. And really, that's the same thing right now. I have people still calling me, like, when are the foreclosures coming back? Yeah. I said in Nashville, it's going to be a while. Yeah, I, I agree. So what's interesting about our podcast, Steve, is that um, – this topic was on professional negotiation, and we haven't even gotten there yet because your yeah. history is so interesting. <laughs> we just sort of go all over the place, but then at the end of the show, we bring it all back home. Yeah. Uh, so that brings me to a question. Do you work with more buyers or sellers? Right now, it's about 50-50. Okay. So um, I previously, REO is like 100% um, sellers, uh, but in the last, probably, I started transitioning around 2015 and at least the last three or four years, it's been a mix 50-50. Got it. So when you started going more into the traditional space mm-hmm. and you had been in the REO space, how did you develop your database of buyers and sellers at that point? Well, um, while I was in the REO space, I was doing marketing for my wife's business. So I had I started a website back in 2005, started generating leads for her back then, and occasionally I would take one or two that was like a really good, a really good prospect or a really good sale. And I would work those. And so over that time period, um, I've developed, um, a database of close to 8,000, uh, prospective buyers and sellers in the Nashville area or people looking to move to this area. And so that's where I generate a lot of my business from today. Nice. Nice. And you and Gretchen Jolly, your Mm -hmm. wife, who I love, she's another amazing professional agent. Y'all don't partner. Do you? Or Not do you? anymore, no. Okay. She partnered, uh, She partners with my daughter now. Oh, congratulations. Yes. I did not know that. Yes. Keeping it in the family. It does. And so she started, my daughter started out as a, actually a home builder for uh, Ryan Homes about three years ago. And then last year she decided, she, it just became so crazy during COVID and all of the supply chain issues and you know, she had one neighborhood they were building. They almost completely built it out, yet they didn't have transformers to put electricity in. And it was a huge nightmare. And, and she just wasn't, she wasn't happy anymore. And her um, original, I always thought she was going to be in real estate sales because that's kind of what her strength set is and her skill set is. Um, and, and, and also her degrees in marketing. And so last year she just, Kind of decided to change and decided to partner with Gretchen, and um, and it, everything's been working fine since That's then. That's great. It is. That's great. Well, let's jump into the meat of the subject on sure. negotiation. So first of all, how would you define professional negotiating and or negotiations? Yeah, for me, the my definition is it's part art and part science. And why I say that is because the science part is more the psychology of it. Um, yeah, I think psychology plays a huge role in that process. And then the art is more empathy, really understanding people and not just your clients, but the folks on the other side of the table. My mentor 
I use quotes on that um, because I've never met him, but I've read all of his books and follow a lot of his trainings is um, the late great Jim camp. And he's while he was alive, he was considered the world's greatest or the world's most feared negotiator. And so his definition of negotiating is two party, two or more parties coming together um, to try to come to an agreement while all sides have veto power. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, I like it. So when you negotiate, because we are, I mean, everything in real estate is a negotiation. Getting the listing, a lot of times we're negotiating with our sellers, trying to get the list price Mm -hmm. realistic or the condition of their property realistic. So that's sort of the negotiation dance too, Mm -hmm. with buyers helping them understand, you know, uh, champagne taste and a beer budget and, yeah. and walking doing that negotiation <laughs> yes. dance. Uh, do you have, do you prefer buyers over sellers that you represent? Um, I kind of like the mixture of both because I, I like challenges and I don't like to do the same thing over and over again. So, um, and I enjoy working with first time home buyers, which not everybody does because, you know, that opportunity to uh, to create wealth, especially generational wealth, I think is hugely important. And it, it's sometimes buyers see that distance from where they are to where they want to be is a huge gap that they can't overcome. And helping them break it down into bite-sized chunks where they can make that is really satisfying. I feel like you yeah. were in our sales meeting today and you don't even know it. We, were, <laughs> we did a panel today in our sales meeting yes. on... Um, it was asking for the business was our topic. And one of our agents was um, on the panel was talking about how she loves to work with first time home buyers. And she said to, so I can help them create generational wealth for their family. Mm -hmm. And um, so right when you said that, I was going, dude, were you there? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Verbatim. But yeah, that I, I agree that that is very fun. So what do you think about in the market now, more so than ever, we have, more agents than we've ever had in Middle Tennessee. And so a lot of times you work with a new agent who has zero negotiating skills or they don't understand the art of negotiation mm-hmm. or, hasn't, or haven't been to any training or anything. How do you navigate that? Um, if, you're, if you're an experienced agent and you have a reputation that um, precedes you that is good, it's a little bit easier because you can kind of lead them through that process. Mm -hmm. And if you see them making mistakes, you can point that out. Mm -hmm. And so um, I really don't have a a lot of trouble with that, uh, you know, unless somebody just gets off the rails really quickly. Right, right. I remember when I was a new agent, and this is many, many years ago, there was a very, very successful agent. Her name was Cindy Evans, and she was with a company called ADEX. Do you remember Mm -hmm. ADEX? They were over in East Nashville. And one of my very, very first lists, and she was queen of East Nashville in the mm-hmm. 90s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. We did our first transaction together, and I was a baby agent. She took me under her wing and sort of helped me with even minor things on directions. Like my mm-hmm. first listing in East Nashville, I think my, I was looking at my map on how to get there because this is before GPS or anything. She's like, no one's ever going to find your listing with those directions. Yes. <laughs> she, she called me not to be mean or know it all, but just let me help you. Yeah. You know, and I think what you just said there is helping. And I, I've always paid that forward with eight mm-hmm. new agents who are, I don't want to say doing it wrong, but it's yeah. like, Hey, I know you don't, you just don't know what you don't know yet. Right. right. You know? And, um, what about that new agent or existing agent who may feel like they know so much more and they're they're taking a position of it's not a win win but it's a win lose. 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I just, I'll stick to my principles mm-hmm. regardless of they want to do. And, and, you know, part of one of the things I'm part, it's kind of goes along with what I said earlier about the veto power is at some point you're, you know, you have to let them know that you're going to walk away from it if it's not going your way. And a lot of times that'll wake people up because mm-hmm. they just don't think that most people are willing to do that. Yeah. And so no matter what it is, at, no matter what side you're on, no matter how bad you want it, if it's not meeting what your goals that you set out to begin with, you have to decide to walk away mm-hmm. from that. And that you gain a lot of power out of that. I agree. I agree. And in today's market, which is much more stable, mm-hmm. where if you walk away, as the, if you're representing the seller and you walk away, um, how do you guide your seller on that, knowing that it may be a minute or two before you get the next buyer? Or do you just say, hey, here, here's what could potentially happen, and you choose? Well, I let them decide. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, this is, the, this is, what we're, this is what's happening. Um, this is what I recommend we do, but it's up to you if you want to continue working with them or if you just want to shut the door. And I always let people know, and this is what I personally believe is that if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen. And if not, there's something hopefully better out there for you. And a lot of times it it is something better comes later on. And so just having patience, um, and, and, and me seeing that happen so many times, I have confidence in that it's going to happen. And so I just try to, uh, just try to lead them, not really lead them, but um, advise them on all the possible options they have and let them really make the best decision for themselves. But I always tell them what I would do if I was in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And that's part of having empathy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very good. When I first got into this business, Christy was an amazing mentor and Aww. still is for me. But, you know, you get your license, right? you pass the test, you walk into your brokerage and you don't really fully understand what you're getting into with one, writing a contract, two, negotiations. So, you know, Christy and I always talk about education and, and learning. So what would you say to an agent who is new, who may not understand all the parts of the psychology, the science, the art? How do you start learning that? Because if for me, it's it's just been time and experience and listening. And, you know, I feel like we have a lot of great professional development opportunities mm-hmm. um, that kind of help shape and mold you over the years. But for a newbie um, who, who may be somewhere bigger or even on the outskirts or in a different state that may not have the level of support that we're so fortunate to have, what are some things they can do? Yeah, one of the things that I did was look outside of our industry to learn oh, yeah. because a lot there's a lot of transferable skills. Absolutely. And so that's how I found Jim Camp and um you know, he really what he was negotiating like multinational deals. Mhm. Um, for the biggest corporations around the world. And so that has really nothing to do with a real estate deal, but a lot of those skills are transferable. And the same with just about everything. The real estate is, you know, you can learn about psychology that doesn't have anything to do with real estate, but if you, but it, it, those things help you along the way. Um, so I looked for mentors or people to, to follow or books to read not only in real estate, but outside of real estate. And so, and all, I'm just being a lifelong learner really yeah. helps. And uh, like all the extra, especially in the beginning, and I still do this today, all the extra time that I have, I'm trying to either better myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, however I can do that. All those things play into 
into your role as an agent and helping people. So when you are in the midst of negotiation and Mm -hmm. I, when I'm working with a, whether I'm working with a buyer or seller, I Mm -hmm. let them know, look, I'm going to have to, especially with a seller, my job is to sell your home at least three times. Mm -hmm. The first time we'll sell it to the buyer, Mm -hmm. negotiate a win-win to the buyer. Second time we're going to have to resell it to the buyer after they do their home inspection Mm -hmm. and their exciting, perfect house has all kinds of warts on it that we have to get through. And then the third is going to be reselling it to the appraiser, Mm -hmm. make sure he has all the necessary information to hit that number. So we never stop negotiating on your behalf. Through that process, depending on the other, I mean, it's so important to have a great agent on the other side of the transaction. And if you don't, like I said, if it's a new person, help shepherd them and not take advantage of them. Say, oh, they don't know what they're doing. So I'm going to, but, you know, create a win for both sides. For sure. We've all been in those situations where there's an agent who is um, can get very unprofessional and hard to deal with or keep, wants to keep throwing wrenches into the deal so they can act like they're saving the deal. Mm-hmm. When you are dealing with that agent and that person is going just totally off the rails, what are your how do you get that agent on the other side back on a positive track to get our your clients to a uh, a win, which is the closing. Yeah. I mean, usually it's people getting out of reason and into their emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I try to pull them back out, back into reason. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, it's just remaining calm and, and they'll begin to mirror whatever, whatever you're doing. If you're calm in the process, they're going to stay calm or they'll, they're more likely to stay calm. If you get agitated, it's just going to make things 10 times worse. Um, But sometimes that doesn't work. So you just have to find other avenues. Um, and once again, using that veto power is very powerful. As I look, if, if you're going to be like this, my clients don't want, don't want to deal with this and we're willing to walk away unless things change. Yeah. yeah. I find, and you just nailed it, when mm-hmm. I get an agent who is getting into the emotion, if you're just calm and let them just go crazy and then just still stay calm and just... Mm-hmm. You know, you may need to calm down. Let's talk tomorrow and yeah. let them get, give it a little time. It. Give it a little time. Yeah, yeah, give it a little time and and poker face. I learned poker face, mm-hmm. so I feel like my whole life, like through high school, college, younger years, you could always see what was going on with Heather by the look on my face. <laughs> and now, <laughs> I think you said this to me years ago. You're like poker face, Heather. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I have a poker face now. <laughs> so you can't may, maybe not be able to read yeah. so much what's going on. Um, you know, to to kind of keep yeah, every, keep everybody's it, emotions. Yeah. You know, check. even if I'm. You know, freaking out on the inside, it's just, you know, keeping that calmness. I think one thing, too, is if you're the agent who gets emotionally rattled or happens to be emotionally rattled when you're dealing with a maybe a, a tougher negotiating situation, when like, Steve, let's say you and I are doing a deal and I'm in the midst of something just, ah, and you're calling and I pick up the phone while I'm still in that sort of tight <laughs> emotional state from that other I've I'm just at the point in my life where I don't take the call just yet I like get centered yeah. back into my own good space before I bring the agitation from that mm-hmm. whatever's going on into the next phone call I, I can tell a lot of times when you're in negotiation it's like a straw that hit, breaks the camel's back with some people I'm going hey I don't think this is about our transaction. Yeah. Why don't we just take a step back a minute and uh, revisit this in a few hours or right, something? Right. 
Um, because you're right, people are just in their emotional exactly. space. Exactly. And what most people don't realize is that when you get deep in your feelings, you lose about 30% of your critical thinking skills and you make really dumb decisions, mm. decisions that later you'll regret. And so I, uh, when things have calmed down a little bit, I remind people of that. I was like, you know, if you want to make the best decision possible, we have to stay calm and focused on the facts um, and not on what your feelings are. And that kind of helps prevent that from happening again. Mm-hmm. I love that. I do too. Great advice. I will definitely use that. Sometimes I will send, maybe if it's an offer or a counter that I know is something that they may not be excited about, mm-hmm. I may go ahead and just email it and say, read through this. Yeah. Um, once you've had a moment to kind of read through it, then we'll we'll talk. We'll take a moment and, and talk. And maybe that gives them a little bit of processing time. I feel like when I first got started, it was like, oh, I need to call and tell them right away. Right. I may text them and say, hey, this is in your inbox. Take a look when you've had a moment to read over it. Then let's discuss our options. So like you said, just kind of giving a little bit more space there. That's right. You've got to ingest the information. Mm-hmm. And I usually, too, when I send them that email, letting them, uh, sharing the offer with them, I'll say up front, like, maybe this isn't the offer you wanted, but here it is. And then I'll summarize it for them yeah. so they don't have to kind of read through it all Absolutely. and decipher it. It just helps them to, because if they know it's not what they want, they want to understand what the bad news is right away. Yeah, sure. So it, whether it's good news or bad news, I want them to yeah. see that summary pretty quickly. I'll do that, too. Good news, bad news. Good yeah. news, we yeah. got another. Yes. <laughs> Bad news, it's not exactly what you want, but I think we can come to a meeting of minds. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, and that summary is critical. It is. Yeah, I mean, because the gone are the days where you sit down at the dining room table and go through an offer with a client. You know, it's all getting that summary to them and then having the conversation. And it's going to be 10 pages minimum. For sure. And people just don't, people these days don't have time to read through all of that. Right, right. And they'll glaze over and they'll yeah. miss the important pieces. Mm-hmm. So do you have a favorite part of negotiation? Uh, My favorite part is something that a lot of people don't do. And it's really for buyers. It's really where that comes into play a lot is when is looking for opportunities to help the other side. Because one of the ways you build trust with, with people, especially in a business environment, is solving problems together. And so if you can help them solve a problem, it's a way to gain a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. And that makes, and and trust in this business is so important, especially if you're competing with other buyers, that's a good way to get your foot in the door, them to feel good about the person that's buying their home. Right. And I'm just going to put a plug in for Greater Nashville Realtors right now to that point when I was president at that time, GNAR, Mm -hmm. my number one thought was y'all get involved in the association because the more agents you know and become friends with, the more it will make that transaction go so much more smooth if you're working with somebody you know, like, and trust in the deal. A lot of folks would not want to get involved in the association because they're like, why would I want to network with other agents? And networking with other agents is so smart mm-hmm. and it just makes everything go smoother. It does. Mm-hmm. That That's great. I, I love helping the other agent on the other side too. Without... Not representing my client, but I truly think to get to a win-win, you have to have conversations with each other to make sure that you're both getting your clients to a common goal where both people feel great. Mm -hmm. And I have clients, I coach my buyers to do that also because they have different skill sets. I work with a lot of uh, small business owners and they may see something that they realize is a problem for the seller and offering to... 
to help that. And it does that could be completely irrelevant to real estate, um, but it may be something that they have to do in order to sell their house. Um, and if your buyer is willing to take that on, that just may be what it, that, that just may be what uh, is going to seal the deal. Because it's just one less thing the seller has to worry about. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what would be your top three tips to tell our audience in professional negotiations? For sure. The veto power is huge. And I talked a little bit about the seller. I mean, one side of it for your side to be able to walk away. But the other side is really is really giving them the veto power. Um, and let's say that your client writes an offer and you know it's not exactly what the seller wants. But you know that they're not going to write anything. You know, this is their highest and best offer. And just and just by saying, hey, look, this is our highest and best offer. Or this is close to our highest and best offer. And if it's not going to work for you, it's okay. We understand. And that helps lower the barriers down. And then they may open up to you and say, hey, really, we, we like everything about this offer except this one thing. Can you guys compromise on that? And if you can, then we can do a deal. And but lower because any type of sales relationship, when they know you're going to sell them something, these huge barriers mm-hmm. automatically mm-hmm. come up, whether you they're not they're not even conscious or subconscious. Right. And so that's a huge way to lower those down. And that's why that was such a huge part of Jim Camp's um, negotiate. That was that was a central tenet of his negotiation practice. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll say, I know this offer may be perceived as low in mm-hmm. the price, but please look at the terms and let's see what we mm-hmm. can figure out to win. Yeah. You know, or win together. So, and that. if it's not, that's okay too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We're not going to be mad. We're not going to try to push it on you. We're just going to go and find another property. I love having the veto power. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think another part that you just said is when you're talking to that other agent, when presenting an offer, have a conversation on the phone. Everybody wants to do a text and email mm-hmm. and man, you can just get so much accomplished yes, through call. that conversation. <laughs> Send the offer to the other agent. And if you're as the buyer's agent, but call the other agent mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I'd love to talk about this offer. So you have a full deck of cards when you go speak to your seller or when you're the listing agent and you receive the offer. Hey, just want to talk to you about this offer a little bit. So I have a complete picture to give to my seller. I agree. I just, it just makes me nuts when I call another agent and then they text me about the answer because you get so it's so much more powerful that phone call. And if it doesn't work with this deal, you're starting to build that relationship and that may work uh, for your next client down the road. Hi, I'm Harry Allen, co-founder and chief relationship officer of Studio Bank. Studio Bank is passionate about what our members create and we're here to support you through the process. We provide capital and services to build businesses, we offer mortgage and home loan options, whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your fifth home. We work with artists to reach their audiences. We help nonprofits transform our community. And often, the most important work we do is simply empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. We're here because what you create matters. Let's create something together. Visit studiobank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, NMLS number, 1761767. What else, Steve? Anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think it's really important, too, is doing your research for both a buyer and seller. 
Um, and I think the sellers do a better job right now, but buyers don't. And it's so important on the front end. And so what I coach my buyers to do is, well, let's walk through the house the first time. And I just let them walk through the house and, and let them imagine living in the house at that, or living in the house at that time. Because that's what they want to do anyhow, right? And so we walk through it one time. And if they feel like this is the right house for them, then I say, okay, let's start all over. Let's go back to the front door and we're going to walk through it again, but we're going to do it with different eyes this time. We're going to do it um, through the eyes of a researcher. So let's get out of our feelings, get out of putting our, um, putting ourselves or imagining ourselves living in it. But now let's think about what, what we like about the house and what we don't like about the house and collect as much information as possible. So I'll have them, or I'll do this, take pictures from different angles of all the rooms so they can remember things um, so that later if they go, I don't know if my couch will fit there or, uh, you know, whatever that is, we don't want, we want to answer those questions on the front end. Um, and then get the, things like getting the ages and the um, serial numbers and the brands of all of the mechanical systems, taking a close look at the roof, taking a close look at the foundation, not to be overly picky, but so that when you write that first offer, it's as close to perfect as possible because first impressions matter so much and you don't want to miss something um, either that benefits the seller or that's a detriment to the buyer that you could have easily done if you had just done your homework a little first and and then that also gives you um, some tools to explain why you wrote your offer that way so we wrote our offer and, and also read you know reviewing that property condition disclosure in detail that's another piece of good information and that way that when you write your offer um, if you have to write it lower then you have a reason well we're doing that because uh, the roof is near the end of its life and the HVAC is near the end of its life. And if we had to replace both of those in the next year or two, that's a 20 grand, 30 grand. That's going to come out of my client's pocket. And that's why we, that's why we wrote the offer the way that we did. Um, or the exact opposite too. We don't want to underwrite an offer because we didn't realize that it had a brand new HVAC system. Um, and you know, it had all these things that we didn't recognize in the beginning, and that's why they had that's why they had a premium price on their home. Right. Um, and so, for both of those reasons, I think that first offer is so important uh, because, especially in a competitive market, if you can write it really close, you're again gaining trust on the other side of the transaction and you're also limiting the amount of times you have to counter offer go back and forth so you can get to that agreement much faster and it's just i think it's just uh, it puts it puts my clients at more ease because they if there's unanswered questions that i think that's a big thing other people don't understand mm -hmm. too is anytime there's unanswered questions people don't want to move forward they don't want to take that next step so we're trying to answer as many questions as possible so they have the confidence to take that next step and do it boldly and the same the, the excellent thank mm -hmm. you for sharing that and the same as a listing agent so many listing agents go through measure the rooms if they don't have in the room measurements mm -hmm. and don't do their full homework on getting ages, walking through the yard, pointing out where the property lines are, looking at the foundation. I mean, we're not structural experts, but if you see a giant, you know, crack in the foundation, that's right. something that needs to be investigated. So when that buyer's agent calls you, you have all the information or better yet, you can put together a better marketing brochure for when someone like Steve or any buyer's agent comes in the house 
that's in your marketing brochure, your ages, details of what's happened. If there's been a structural inspection on the home and repairs made, that outline, which should be in the condition disclosure anyway. But well, well stated. Yeah. And the, and the kind of the exact opposite for sellers is that try to try to teach your sellers to look at their home through the eyes of a buyer and how they would look at it and try to answer as many of those questions that buyers would have before they ask them so that it just makes their process a lot smoother too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 100%. The, the same on pricing. That's so huge on pricing because most people don't really know how to price a home properly. They don't know how to compare two homes and make adjustments for, because there's always going to be differences between homes and how to make adjustments for that. You just can't say my neighbor sold their home for 400000 so I'm going to sell mine for 400000 You might be leaving a lot of money on the table, or you could be uh, making yourself pricing. look crazy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, when we do teach classes here on market analysis, mm -hmm. you know, how to actually know what a paired cell analysis mm -hmm. is to compare apples sure. to apples and oranges to oranges and get that right. I feel like some agents are awesome at pricing and then others just do a real track CMA, look at the price per square foot and slap it on mm -hmm. the house. And that's, that's problematic. Yeah. So part of our job back to negotiations though, too, is getting that value in as close a range as possible and being able to negotiate with your seller and understanding the expectation of what that seller is hoping to get and what the reality of the market is, right? especially in today's uh, climate. And that was really one of the benefits uh, of being in REO when I first started is that one of my best clients um, held a class that they brought people in from uh, agents in, from all across the country, how to do that paired analysis, how to price a home like an appraiser would. And because... I mean, they did that for selfish reasons, but for me, it just made me a much better agent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. So to wrap it up, number one, know that you have the veto power. Correct. Okay. Number two. And offer it to the other side. And offer it to the other side. Correct. Like and that. then um, set expectations by letting them know this may not be what you want, but we would like to come to a meeting of minds. So settle down any cackles that may be coming up on the back of someone's neck when they get a low mm -hmm. offer. And there was a third one. Do your oh, research. Do your research. Do your yeah. research. And then I had two more. Look oh, great. For, look for opportunity. And we've said them both already. Yeah. Look for opportunities to help the seller or the buyer. Love um, and then really, you know, get as much experience and as good of a reputation as an agent uh, as possible. And if you're a buyer or seller out there, look for a really experienced agent because that reputation is going to help you um, through that through that process. And I'm going to add to that, sometimes you end a transaction, you go to closing, and you are sort of like, oh, Lordy, I hope I don't get the opportunity to work that other agent again. You know, sometimes there's just more challenging deals. I think so important is never burn a bridge with another agent, whether it's a, a great agent on the other side of the deal or one that's a little lackluster. You never know where you're going to be again. And there's so much in our business where we're going to work together again. For sure. Always the cream rises to the top. So don't dig your heels in. Don't be ugly to anybody else. Work together and don't burn any bridges in this mm -hmm. industry. And that goes back to what you said. I'm so glad you said it about reputation. For sure. And I've probably been guilty of that in the past. But, you know, one of the things I've realized as I've got older is that uh, I've been offered a lot of grace from other people. And so 
if that's going to continue, I've got to, I've got to do the same thing for It's in the truth. Pay it forward, brother. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Right. Steve Jolly, we are going to have you back on this show well, because you. you are yeah. awesome. And I so appreciate your wisdom, your experience, and your willingness to share with our audience on professional negotiations. It was great. Well, you're welcome. And thank you guys. Both. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, y'all out there listening, please, if you have any topic, any question that you have for Heather or I, don't forget to email us at podcast at wilsongrouprealestate.com and we will be sure to get those questions answered on air or create a show around it yeah hope you have a great day and thank you steve jolly thank you guys call ata cpa and advisors to help you with all of your accounting needs ata can help you amplify your business with tax planning client accounting services advisory and assurance services Contact partner David Hart and the ATA team today at 615-662-2727 or visit atacpa.net to get started. Hey, if you're loving the show, we would be delighted to hear from you. Be sure to go over to your podcast app, scroll down to where it says ratings and reviews, and tell us your thoughts. Your words might just be what the next person needs to tune in and move up in their life. This show is edited by Elizabeth Evans Media. Nashville is one of the nation's top three relocation markets. So whether you're moving yourself, your family, or relocating an entire company, our relocation coordinators are here to guide you through the step-by-step process of relocation. We understand there's much more to a move than changing your address and packing. At the Wilson Group Real Estate Services, our relocation coordinators provide a high level of expertise and experience in making sure your move is seamless. So check out our website today at wilsongrouprealestate.com or give us a call.